Welcome to episode 258. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Even though you've already started, here are some ideas to make the holiday season more effective for your church. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Welcome to episode 258. It is Christmas time. We got some Christmas music going, some royalty-free Christmas music going, by the way, because <laughs> we are too cheap to pay for the real thing. I'm Jason Tucker, here again with Jesse Skippington. Merry Christmas in October, buddy. How you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The weather outside is frightful, uh, <laughs> but the fire is so delightful, Jason. I love it. Oh, we're doing Christmas time here, and it really is perfect timing. Maybe we're a little late to the game, actually. If you're thinking strategically about Christmas, probably you've been already kind of having these conversations with our staff. But it's around the first week or so of October. Sometimes if we have a rack together in August, even, we start to think ahead. Uh, but when inevitably my children's staff or... Another staff team member will say, what are we doing for Christmas this year? And I say, well, the same thing that we've been doing as Christians for the last 2,000 years, (laughs) celebrating the birth of Jesus. Let's go. Um, So we all know what Christmas is, what it's for. And yet it's one of those times, those unique times in this season of the church, the life of the church, where not only our folks are leaning in, but so are people in our community who may not really be interested in God's story in, in, in a, as a general concept, but at Christmas time, they're open or they're at least uh, culturally open to coming and celebrating in some way or being a part of a community with us around that. So we're talking Christmas today because Christmas is uh, not just the celebration of Jesus' birth, which is the heart of it all, but it is an opportunity for us as churches to share the good news of that of God's love that he gives us in Jesus with our friends and neighbors too. So let's talk shop about Christmas, Jason. Yeah, this is so important because it used to be like Christmas and Easter, right? These are the two big. Uh, what I'm seeing, I don't know if you're seeing this, is that for people who are not a regular part of church or who maybe have one foot in, one foot out, or maybe both feet out, it seems like Christmas is the opportunity even more than Easter to get them onto your campus, to give them a message of hope, where it's not weird for you to give a Christian message of hope during that time. It's very interesting what's going on just culturally, but it seems like everybody celebrates Christmas. My uncle, uh, who, you know, he's uh, uh, ethnically Jewish, but he's really like non-practicing. He celebrates Easter, Christmas. He's sort of all over the place. And, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with faith. It has everything to do with culture. People like celebrating Christmas. So how do we leverage that for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of helping people maybe take a step toward Jesus? And that's what we're, that's what we're thinking about. And I know, Jesse, you know, you mentioned just thinking about Christmas and everything starts really early. Here's how I usually think of it. I think of it in terms of when does the season start? Starts uh, Advent which is the end of November this year. And I always think, okay, what, aside from the different events we're going to try to do to reach people outside the church, reach people who are already inside the church, is I start thinking about what, what's the messaging going to be during Christmas? Do I have a sermon series in mind that maybe, like, listen, it's the same sermon series we do every year, but like, how do we, 
package it in a way that it is engaging for people who are normally not at church. So that, that's kind of where I start with. What about you? What do you usually start with when you're thinking Christmas? Yeah, same. Same. We're, we're thinking framework. What's, how, what's our variation on the theme this year? And then how do we build things around that that are complementary, that help get the word out, that invite people in? And I think Christmas is um, the whole message around Christmas is incredibly helpful for people's real lives if we're allowed to be practical as well. So I like Christmas to be a celebration of all things Christmas, but I also wanted to have something of a landing in people's lives. Why does this actually matter for us? And what are we discovering here about God and ourselves as we celebrate uh, the Christmas season from Advent all the way through uh, to Christmas uh, Day? And so, um, yeah, so it's creating that framework that's a variation on the same story every single year, but that kind of invites people in either in a fresh way or a deeper way or, or, or those kinds of things. So we tend to start thematically and then work our way back into the actual content. Yeah. So here's what we're doing this year. And I was thinking about, you know, what do I preach on? I think I'm going to use a little bit of a hybrid where outreach.com always has a Chris, an advent series. And I like using it because I want to try to make whatever I can make easy. I want to make easy. And what makes it easy again, they don't, I I say this every time, but I just want people to be clear. People are not paying me to say this. I'm just saying like (laughs) what I'm using. You found it useful. You found it useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I would love for them to pay me to say this, but yeah, they don't. Um, But uh, I use outreach.com and they do a series. What I love about it is truly it makes it easy because they'll give you outlines and then they'll give you graphics. And sometimes just if I don't have to think about that, Mm-hmm. Like it already tees up at least a main scripture and some talking points and it already tees up the graphics that saves me a ton of time. I can still build the sermon series however I want. And oftentimes I end up writing sermons that really are nothing like what outreach.com gave, but it helped me get things going. So I think I'm going to do a hybrid of that. And then uh, there's this book by Adam Hamilton. It was, uh, I think, The Journey. Christmas journey or something, but it talks about the actual history and sort of what the journey would have been like to Bethlehem and um, has a lot of cool like uh, facts in there and and historical points of reference and the geography and everything. So I think I'm going to weave those two together to sort of give it a little bit of a different feel, but also hit the main points without having to recreate everything. Uh, How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's it's wise to, like you said there, you want to, you want it to kind of elevate a little bit around Christmas, right? You want it to kind of be set apart. And and yet if there are things out there that you can find that make it easier, so you're not, you know, I don't know, I didn't go to graphic design school. I can come up with a passable slide, but if there's something that exists out there already. Um, another thing is even if you don't want to go with something prepackaged like um, outreach or whatever, you can go and surf just Google Christmas message series or Advent sermon series, and you'll get ideas from other churches. And I found um, many times if I notice a slide or a theme that I think, wow, that's really cool. And I reach out to them and I say, hey, can I kind of borrow from that? Or is it okay if I use some of that? And I've never had anybody ever say no. Uh, So um, I think there's a way to kind of just go beyond your usual practice a little bit was what I hear you saying and be a little bit more strategic, but finding a resource that you don't have to create from the ground up, um, it, I think is really helpful. And then if it can be a, a kind of thematic in the way that it carries you for, throughout the Christmas season to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day itself, then you kind of have, uh, you kind of have it already built and you know where you're going. Yeah. 
And then, of course, preaching is, you know, that's assuming that they show up. So, you know, we, we always, we're thinking in terms of steps. What's our strategy for Christmas? So the way we view it, it's sort of like if you're looking at a funnel with the top part of the funnel being the widest part, we say what's at the top of that funnel would be outreach. Mm-hmm. Who are the people that we're trying to engage over the next six weeks, five weeks, uh, whatever it is between Thanksgiving and Christmas? And, and, and how could we maybe create enough of a tether with them, if you will, that they'll want to join us on the other side of the new year? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I know we talked a lot about this, but so we think in turn, we put our big outreach event on the front end, r- close to Thanksgiving, very beginning of December. That's our Christmas on the Hill event. This year, we, and we talked about this a little before, but we changed the format. So it's more of a drop-in event. Um, cause that was the feedback we were getting from young families who are our target demographic. And, uh, we're going to have, so we're renting a stage sound system for outside fire pits, you know, the Christmas tree lighting, all that stuff. I we're hoping to have our choir participate in doing the hallelujah chorus as the tree lights, which we thought would be sort of cool. Um, so, but we're thinking this is the big, this is like the biggest, thing to the community y'all come come and enjoy this we're going to have food it's free come and hang out and um, participate in the season but we're really what's really important to us is they can go to a tree lighting in all of their towns so how is this different well we make sure that we give a really focused jesus moment and the way that we're doing that again nothing's proprietary i'm just saying like what we're doing is we're going to do the um you know the charlie brown christmas reading we're going to have uh a, a kid who does this uh, for us before? Well, is going to read uh, from Luke, and then there's going to be a very kind of one one time through chorus of Silent Night. Then we light the tree, Hallelujah chorus, and a couple of sentences of Listen, we think Jesus came to transform the world, and He could transform your lives, and we hope that you experience that. And uh, you know, it, it's like pretty much that's it to have that Jesus moment. And then, you know, like on with the fun. And then as we go through the month, we have other opportunities that are also outreach, but also more in reach. Like we have a choir concert, a traditional Christmas mm-hmm. choir concert with brass and everything else. And that's awesome. Um, and, and then and then we start looking to our Christmas Eve. The other piece, really critical piece that's both outreach and in reach is we focus on missions during Christmas. And it's also our annual appeal to help support the church, but also missions. And the way this year that we're talking about it, I know this is a lot, but <laughs> but the way we're talking about this year is how do we help people understand that their gifts to the church is funding the mission and participating at the soup kitchen is the mission. Like how do we make, how do we frame it? So it's all together. So that's kind of, that's kind of the trajectory of how we're going through the Advent season. At least that's our strategy for this year. How about you guys? I mean, is it similar kind of focus? Yeah. I mean, we have a little different rhythm, but, um, and, but we kind of tend to think in terms of demographics rather than like one big community event, like you guys are doing, which I love, I love Christmas at Tower Hill. I mean, that's super cool. So, um, but the kind of our strategy is, um, thinking in terms of like, how are we going to go big for our, our youth and children and their and kind of things that are associated with them. And so both of those departments do fun, one-off, uh, big fun events. I think, I can't remember what the theme for the youth is this year, but we've done like, you know, 
50 person white elephant kind of things. And just anyway, they go, they go all out for that kind of stuff. Um, and then for the, for the grownups, we do, um, something we've been doing here for years. Uh, we have a Christmas jazz concert with a, uh, a really talented, uh, jazz artist. And, um, it's something that's become a hallmark that people who are not church people, you know, they, they're showing up for, can't wait for calling even now to ask about when the date for that is and make sure that they have it on their calendar and that kind of stuff. So it becomes something that you're doing um, for your community. We want to serve our community by having this really fun uh, Christmas jazz concert here at the church. So we, we kind of do a couple layers there for uh, um, demographics, but then when we're thinking in reach, um, we're thinking, how do we keep it simple and not add to the chaos of our family's lives that are already busy and full? And so one of our key events every year is a Christmas decorating party that happens right after Sunday worship. Typically the first Sunday in Advent, we moved it a week this year because um, of Thanksgiving weekend. We didn't want to do it that weekend. So I think it's December is it 4th this year. Um, we're going to do uh, right after the service. We'll have everybody who wants to stick around and we'll all decorate the church together. Our next steps coordinator is going to bring a bunch of pizza and there'll be Christmas cookies for people to share. And it's kind of like a family celebration, but it's it's about an hour uh, of additional time to commit on a Sunday morning instead of a whole nother event that we're asking them to come to at a different time. So we call these events at Marineville, we call them life together events. And this is our life together Christmas decorating party event. So that's going to be a ton of fun. And then we kind of, we grow from there. We build towards um, Christmas Eve. So um, lots of service kinds of things going on, you know, giving trees and all the things that we do to support our community this time of year. Um, but those are kind of some of the big, the big pieces that we do um, every Christmas season. That's, that's awesome. I think, um, I think the real question, this is a question that we're asking as we're planning these things is, I mean, every church that I know of does Christmas events. Mm-hmm. What is the next step? How do we create a pathway for people to engage mm-hmm. using these as, as an on-ramp into the life of the church? And so the way that we're thinking about it is, again, we always have a lot of mission opportunities. I feel like all the, when we announce these opportunities, they sort of get lost in the wash a a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about some different campaign names to call it. Um, We're talking about calling it overflow or maybe operation overflow or something like that. That's memorable and, and kind of give them a QR code that they could sign up for a whole bunch of different mission opportunities. But we think that's probably the step we're inviting people to take, you know, before you even, before we invite them to worship because that feels way more self-serving, right? Oh, you had me come to this free event and now you're telling me to come to worship. Yeah, 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 you know, whatever. But if we think we have a greater impact, if we say, especially if our Christmas on the Hill event, we say, hey, we really are big on supporting our community and we want to show you there's all these opportunities for you to serve and to volunteer. You don't have to be a part of the church, um, but if, if you want to help others this time of year, it makes a big difference and uh, try to get them to, take a step in that pathway. So it's because people rally around mission, especially around Christmas. So we want to, how do we give them opportunities to take a step? And then once they're in, engaged in that, we'll invite them to like Christmas Eve services. Right. I think that's wise. And and I think the Christmas Eve services may be the one exception to where it feels self-serving. Like if we're just yeah. inviting them to come on a Sunday, but Christmas Eve is a really great place to point to because people maybe already be thinking in those terms or, oh yeah, that would be fun. They do candle lighting. That's pretty cool. We should go check that out too or something. So um, it, again, I don't 
I think that when it comes to Christmas Eve, it's sort of a uh, it's something we would love for them to come and experience the inside of our building. Right. And a little more of who we are in, in worship. But it's also a value to them as well. There's something that we're providing there that's uh, meaningful or that they would maybe be looking for anyway. And so I like that. So connect them maybe coming out of whatever events that you're doing to a service opportunity, uh, a ministry to support financially. I get a lot of those questions from people in our community every year. I'll get calls from people who are not church people and they'll say, do you know of a family in need that we could you know, buy a turkey for? And, and, you know, it's not quite how we organize stuff here, but I, I want to honor that. So having some ideas of next steps people can take to serve or to give around Christmas time is, I think, crucial. It's funny you mentioned that because it does feel like the expectations are folks that you would sort of be their concierge service. To That's right. Connect them at any given moment with whatever mission opportunity they're hoping to give to. And we're just not set. I would love to be able to do that, but we just. Yeah. Well, and I'm frankly, I'm not sure that's the best strategy anyway, right? Um, But but I remember a few times people have maybe handed me an envelope with a few hundred dollars in it. And they say, can you make sure this gets to a family in need? They don't need to know who it's coming from. I'm like, now you just, I mean, like, I'm happy to do that for someone, but you just created more work for me me now to like track someone down. And I wish people were maybe a little more dialed in with people in need in their own lives and they could just do that directly. But anyway, that's a little pastor aside. You know what would be funny is, is if we had pastors calling and give us, what's the weirdest story? Oh, there'd be so many. (laughs) Uh, That'd be good. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Um, No, it's good stuff, but you're talking about on ramp or on ramps or next steps. Are we thinking in terms of not just doing some things around Christmas because it's appropriate and good to do so? And there is that. And community itself is a worthwhile goal. Yeah, for sure. Are there other pieces, though, that are for those who are interested? You talk about the sales funnel, right? The wide top. If someone does say, you know what, maybe this is a community I want to take a deeper step into or get to know more. Is that step ready, readily identifiable and clear for people around these events that you're doing? Yeah. So I think that's kind of your core message, right? Give them a way to lean yeah. in more if they want to, right? Yeah. Um, what do you do for staff? So we're we're doing a staff Christmas party, and uh, we are hosting, which my wife was thrilled about. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, it's all good. No, we're hosting. Yeah. It's going to be great, and um, yeah, I just think it's a fun time. We just have a party. Like it's not, we don't overthink it. We're like, come together. We're going to have fun. We do like a goofy white elephant kind of thing. But it's a nice time to really celebrate. And I just use it as a time to thank our staff because they are running so hard constantly. There is no break anymore in the life of the church, is there? It's like, oh, yeah, well, this is when things usually back up. Nothing backs off ever. (laughs) And I know that's a problem, but we could address that in another episode. But but I use it as a time really just to to say a lot of thank yous. I'll, I'll write more thank yous in November, December, than I do the rest of the year. It seems like a natural time to just mm-hmm. take a pause and just appreciate people and let them know you appreciate them. Yeah. I, I'm really notoriously bad at that. Um, partly because I'm the kind of person I don't need to be thanked in order to do my job. Like it's, you know, like, yeah. you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So, um, but um, yeah, I think it's really healthy to, to have an environment where you can say, Hey, Nicely done. Here's a concrete, tangible way where we're we're just stopping to enjoy each other's company. 
So I can learn from Tower Hill in that regard. And, um, but, um, one of the things that we've done, um, not the past handful of years with the pandemic, but we'll have a sort of a combined elder deacon, uh, night at the church, sort of a Christmas party, if you will, where people just get to hang out and, um, we can do some of that thinking and having fun together and that kind of thing. So pausing is good as long as it doesn't create a mountain more of work to do. Um, so you want to keep it simple and, and, um, meaningful for your people, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's pivot to actual Christmas this year, because this is one of those years where Christmas falls on a Sunday. And I know pastors and churches are all just trying to figure it all out. We made the conscious decision. We are not having services on Sunday morning because we have four opportunities on Christmas Eve. And, um, we, I, first of all, I wouldn't have enough people to staff uh, and you know, I guess folks could judge that however they want it. People want to be with their families on Christmas morning. I know there are some in church who are usually pretty, uh, enthusiastic about having a Christmas service on Christmas. And, and I have no problem with that for us. We decided we wanted to give our folks a break and we also closed the building between Christmas and new year. So mm-hmm. every, it's like a, a forced vacation for the, for the staff and including our custodial staff. So we try to really dial it down because we know that this is really the only time of year that we can do that. So yeah. um, how are you handling Christmas this year? Are you doing a Christmas service? What's that look like for you guys? Well, Jason, because we love Jesus, we're going to have church. on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. We actually had a, a really healthy conversation about, that um, with our our session, which is our leadership team, our um, our board here at Marine View, and uh, we were talking through. So we're going to have all these Christmas Eve services that we would love for all of our people to come to, and then should we turn around and do something simple on Sunday morning or not? And so, actually, after a pretty healthy, uh, well-rounded discussion, we decided not to have Christmas Sunday morning service either in person. We're going to do something online, more of a sort of Christmas story and devotional thing that we're going to put together for our folks. So for those that want to have something to engage with uh, either for themselves or with their families on Christmas day, which is appropriate and healthy and good, especially when it's a Sunday, um, we'll have that available, but we're going to remind people that no, we're worshiping together a whole bunch of times on Christmas Eve. Uh, uh, So please join us for that. And, and then similar to you all, we, um, we really slow down just the, kind of the must do list of things happen the week after Christmas between Christmas and new year. And so we're pretty much closed. Our office is closed. Um, you know, if I'm preparing a sermon and of course I'm preparing a sermon, that kind of stuff. So there's a few little pieces that are happening probably, but, um, for the most part, we give our, our team a breather during that, that time as well. Yeah. Um, and then on Christmas Eve, do you do, different kinds of worship services? Is it the same service uh, multiple times? For us, we do we do actually three different styles, technically. We do a 10 a.m., what we call our family service, which is a contemporary service with glow stick candle lighting. It's, it's mm-hmm. geared to the littles. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, then at 4 p.m., we do a contemporary service that's more geared toward adults, and we have actual candles, candle lighting. It's less uh, kitty. Um, and then seven and 10 are both traditional services with choir, brass, and organ. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so we have kind of different things for people. We started doing the 10 a.m. It might have been 
the pandemic year hmm. that we tried doing that, or maybe it was the year before, but families loved it. They loved getting done with their little kids early on yeah. Christmas Eve. And uh, so we decided that um, I mean that has turned into, I think last year it was our biggest service. Wow. was the 10 a.m., which is wild. Yeah, that is uh, pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I think the last time we did a morning service like that was on the last time that Christmas was on um, Christmas Eve was on a Sunday. And so uh, we said, well, this is a way to kind of do both. And so we really did gear it towards young families and kids. And um, I think it, it was good. And maybe if we had stuck with it, we'd grow into something. But we we push everything into the afternoon. We have some early afternoon and then kind of into the evening. And this year, our latest service is going to be 6 p.m. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's really different. So we're going every two hours and kind of leading up to 6 p.m. And part of what it, this, and again, it's everything's sort of, it, every year is kind of an experiment, right, to see what works and what. But um, we noticed that when we did not have a later service, all of our volunteers, almost to a person, people that were helping with music or organizing the events and stuff were like, it was so nice to be home a little bit earlier on Christmas Eve. They gave most of their day to Christmas Eve and now they're they're able to get home and just enjoy a little bit of that downtime before they get into um, too late into Christmas Eve night. So that's what we're going to do again this year and we'll see how it goes. But for us, we do um, the same exact service, but we um, for the earlier ones, we create a kid moment where, you know, I'll invite the kids to come forward. And, and I try to my best on Christmas to use object lessons and different things like that. So we'll invite them forward for uh, kind of a, a kids up front moment. We usually have a gift of some kind for all the kids and they're all gathered there. And uh, just heads up, don't do this. Um, a couple of years ago, <laughs> one of our staff team thought it would be cool to have like Christmas cupcakes for all the kids. Oh, no. Which is a, a nice sentiment. And I don't remember exactly what the point was or why why we thought that was the right idea. But they had this uh, like hunter green Christmas frosting on the top, which was just insidious with the food coloring that was in it. <laughs> and all these little kids with their beautiful Christmas outfits were covered in, covered in green. Anyway, so live and learn, Jason. Live and learn. Well, you know, um, it created a pathway to Target to get another outfit. It did create a pathway to all kinds of <laughs> conversations. But um, so we do the same, partly because we want to, again, make it easy for ourselves where we can. And it works well with our community. We actually do candles, even when there's little kids in the room. We have instructions for families about that and how to handle that. And um, so far, we haven't had any major <laughs> incidents, not that... Anyway, so we'll see. But um, so we do candle lighting um, in our in our services as well. And I don't know about how how do you organize your Christmas Eve service? Is it like a normal worship service just with a Christmas theme or do you build in more video? Do you what are some of the things that you do to kind of make it differentiated from the the typical maybe worship or Sunday worship? Or do you try to replicate? Here's typically what it's like. But here's with a Christmas theme. Yeah, I would say it's both. and. The way I think about Christmas and the way our team thinks about it is it assuming that people in the room are not coming on a regular basis, what would be the most engaging thing? What are they absolutely hoping for coming to a Christmas Eve service? Okay. Mm -hmm. We know they're hoping for the Christmas story reading. They know that they're hoping for a message that speaks on that. Like, don't get too cute, right? We say this every year, but like, just give them the mac and cheese. Don't throw in like jalapenos or anything. Like, don't try to like, <laughs> because 
people want the familiar at Christmas. People want the nostalgia. And and if you if you do it right, you could still do something that's kind of a twist or an interesting turn that maybe they haven't thought of before, but don't don't reinvent the Christmas service because that's our hoping. So we start thinking about what are they hoping for? Well, we know that for most people, especially our traditional worshipers, it's all about the music. Mm-hmm. The music may be even more important than the actual message. So we load it with music. We have we have um I think it's half an hour of music prior to the service starting. Wow. And it's it and people come early and they sit and they listen because that is such a big part of it. So more music for that service. For contemporary stuff, we do we go heavy on video. And uh, because there's a lot of really great creative Christmassy video that engages all generations. And that's the thing. The kids aren't getting carted away to Sunday school. They're not going to do something else. We need to engage everybody, especially at that service with all the young kids at it. It's like you're on borrowed time. Your sermon is about seven minutes and tops. It's probably more like four minutes because, you know, I mean, you got kids crying and you got it. They can't wait till somebody opened the glow stick and they weren't supposed to yet. I mean, it's like all that going on. It's a little bit chaotic, but more video. So there's a lot of great videos. Um, I like to use worship media, worship house media is a great one. Motion worship is another one. They got a lot of mini videos that are funny. Skit guys always have funny videos as well that you could put in your service. It's all a way of engaging. So yeah, so we do more videos. Uh, we do more music. And actually, we try to shorten the service. Mm-hmm. Typically, our services are an hour. We try to we try to hit 45 minutes. Yeah. Because again, when you're at that 10 p.m. traditional service, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. People yeah. are rolling in and They've had wine already, maybe. Yes, or, they have. Yeah, you know, it's like it feels like um, less is more in that yeah. regard. Yeah. So I, that, that's yeah. how we think about it usually. Yeah, I think forty-five to fifty minutes is a good window for a service. Uh, usually, in that forty-five-ish minutes to fifty minutes, we're able to, in our contemporary expression, we're able to fit at least six songs, Christmas songs. Uh, you know, you're going to hit all the the good, important ones. Sometimes we change them out depending on theme, but Silent Night and Joy to the World will always be part of our Christmas. Right, right. Uh, you know, right. Things like that. So they might on the front end, they might change a little bit or uh, we might, uh, you know, depending on the theme of our night. But um, kind of we've we've gone in a different direction with the service where we do um, uh, a scripture reading, a short message, a song, scripture reading, short message, song. So we break it up into about four or five short segments. Again, the same thought process though. We have a multi-generational audience. We have a churched and unchurched audience. We have a a whole different kind of group of people here than maybe a normal Sunday. So we want to keep things moving and keep changing things up so that it's, 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 uh, it has a sense of flow. That's, um, you know, you're not lingering over any one element for too long. Um, and so, you know, if you go scripture reading, message song the message is like three to four minutes max right yeah. it's it's a reflection on what we just read isaiah 9 what does this mean for our lives light isn't light a good thing when you're walking in the darkness and wow does you know so it's you know it's kind of keeping it tight and short but it's like a just a, a little bit of an explanation off of the scripture reading into our next song and then into our next scripture so we kind of break it up that way that's worked well for us not that that we'll do that forever but it kind of keeps it, it differentiates it from our normal Sundays 
but has enough touch points to to the people that are involved regularly that they're going to get a sense of who we are as we do it as well. And I'm glad you mentioned the time too. It's it's um, I always try to give a shorter message even at the other services. So yeah. I, my normal arcs about 25 minutes all in. I try to hit 15. Yeah, because um, I, I just think attention spans are shorter on Christmas Eve. I want to make sure that I say what I got to say and say it well and say it, you know, briefly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And you want to, it's okay. I mean, you should work hard at it and make sure it's memorable. Those and are harder and, actually. Yeah. Those but, sermons um, are harder to write. Less is more, right? Um, <laughs> what's a, a river runs through it when uh, the Presbyterian <laughs> minister right. dad and his kid is writing an essay and he, he hands it in and he says, again, half as long. And then the kid comes back again, half as long. And then finally he gets it right. This short, tight, really dialed in message. And then the dad says, good. And then he crumples it up and throws it in the waste bin. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but, but, yeah, again, half as long. Thinking in terms of shorter, direct, meaningful. Um, but you, this is not the time to, oh, we got a captive audience here. So let me go yeah. on at some length here to try and, I don't know, whatever you would try to do. So keeping it tight, I think, is is important. And, you know, don't wing it. <laughs> like, be really prepared. I think that's a really important message for a lot of folks who may only hear you once a year. Which, right. incidentally... I know, I know pastors, I know, well, not maybe not pastors, but Christians get really bitter about Christmas and Easter people. I don't. I love that they're there. Yeah. I don't care if they're there once a year. Like, do I wish they didn't get? Of course. I mean, everybody does. But like, awesome. You're here. It's yeah. great to see you again. Yeah. You know, and maybe I'm, this is the year, right? Who knows, right? right? It's, it's genuinely kind of like excited. You and I, you say this often. I think this is really wise. But every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday, right? Think about it in those terms. Like, Every year, maybe somebody's year where God kind of tugs on their heart in a new way or something. So, yeah, let's not be bitter about that. And let, I think the other temptation is to, like, fire all the ammunition at them while they're there. I'm not sure that that works either. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know if the Jesus loves you, cares about you, has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you get hit by a bus on your way home from church tonight, <laughs> where are you going to go? Like, I don't know if that's the right time for that either. Maybe I mean, we save a few, a few rounds for later in the <laughs> save year. It, save it for later. Anyway, but, but we want to get to the heart of the message. And the truth is the Christmas message that the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them uh, is so loves us and wants relationship with us that he came in person to make sure that that was possible. Like that's, that's a powerful message, right? That's yeah. the heart of it. So that's where yeah. we're going. Preach it, brother. All right. Preach it. Let's go. Come on. So, uh, it, lastly, I just want to touch on this, uh, real quick because I am, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, but I'm starting to think about it. And that is how do you approach the end of the calendar year as an opportunity to engage people in what you do on the other side? Yeah. Of, of the new year. And yep. usually we'll sort of tease a sermon series, but, but not, we don't do that on Christmas Eve. We let Christmas Eve be Christmas, but maybe the week before we'll say, um, Hey, we hope you join us for, and it's gotta be something intensely practical. I've, at least I've found for people to really be interested. And in. that is three ways you can get closer to God in January or, yeah, cause that's usually somebody's, um, you know, resolution. So I, something like that. How do you approach engagement on the other side of the new year? Do you have a, do you think in terms of sermon series? Do you think in terms of what can we invite them to? How do you, how do you approach that? I like to think in terms of uh, Calvin's soteriology as represented <laughs> in the institutes and trying to really like dive into something really practical like that. <laughs> no, I, I think you're spot on, Jason. 
we want to go, we want to go to a pain point or a thought that maybe they're already kind of thinking or take, you know, what we're doing and really make it something that would be practical to their real lives. And I tend to think in terms of, because we do see this, there is a carryover often from December into January, not a ton, but people who are newer. So we are not only think in terms of a sermon series, but what is a, a next step, like a community engagement opportunity. And so uh, January 8th, Sunday, January 8th, after the service, service, we'll have an opportunity for fellowship and hanging out and get to know kind of just kind of a, a new year uh, meet and greet kind of opportunity because, yeah, the sermon series is good. That might be what gets them back, but then we want them to meet people because we know community is what's going to cement them. And our good preaching hopefully helps, but um, I don't think they'll end, they'll end up sticking around if all they're ever doing is coming for the sermons. And so um, yeah. how do we get them into community or meet some people in the church or whatever? So um, we'll do that um, second Sunday, right, uh, kind of right out of the gates. I love it. All right. Well, hey, everyone, good luck in all of your holiday planning. I know you're well into it by now and you've probably got a framework already, but hopefully some of these things help remind you of some things that you can tweak as you go into this holiday season, because I think it's a really important one. Again, I think the opportunity to reach people is greater than it's been in a really long time. And I think they're going to come out in droves for your holiday activities. So uh, hopefully you could build some really important relationships. Listen, we are so glad that you're able to listen to us and Again, reach out to us, Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. Anything before we sign off? No, we're just, we're excited for your Christmas celebrations. Uh, uh, you know, it's also it's sort of the Christmas is like daunting in that we know it's going to be a lot. And then also when you're in it, there's a lot of, of fun and joy in it. So I think the further you can get out in your planning and thinking about Christmas, the more meaningful and enjoyable it can be. I like what you said. Don't wing it. It's not the time for that. Um, so plan ahead and then you'll get to be uh, enjoying the Christmas celebration too, rather than panicking about what you're going to do. So uh, I appreciate your thoughts, Jason, and, and just a chance to talk shop, man. It's always fun to hear what you guys are working on at Tower Hill and share what's happening at Marine View and, and kind of help each other that way. So hopefully for all of you listening in, this is helpful, or maybe you're like, you know, we've got our act together. Um, thank you that you guys represented the chaos of what other churches do. <laughs> I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. we're in the trenches just like you. So we're rooting for you and hope it all goes well. Because ministry is hard. As we always say, it's so much better when we do it together. We'll see you next week.